Welcome to Hiraith, the home of modern Welsh politics. The Press Association is one of the few non-domestic news agencies and publishers with a correspondent in Wales, unlike uh, <clears throat> The Guardian and The Times. That matters. Today we are going to speak with Bronwyn Weatherby, who is the PA Wales correspondent. We're going to look at the aftermath of the local election results and what it is like to report on Wales for a global news agency. Hello, Bronwyn. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for coming to speak to us. So, Bronwyn, could you start us off by telling us a little bit more about yourself and how you came to work for PA back in 2021? Yes, so um, I've been a journalist for about just over five years now, which feels like a lifetime ago. Um, I actually uh, studied to become a journalist in Cardiff University and started my career in, in the Bristol Post, actually. Moved on to the Evening Standard, um, then to a sort of what you could easily call a left-wing independent newspaper in the, uh, the Camden New Journal in London. And then I got a job as a PA reporter in London and uh, the Wales PA correspondent came, job came up and I thought, wow, well, that's an opportunity to put my home country on a national platform and, uh, yeah, report nationally for, for Wales, really. So that's that's how that came about. What are the kind of stories that you've covered during your time at, at PA and where do they usually get picked up? So I'm not going to lie, it's a lot of court. You know, there is a lot going on in the courts and a lot since, generally since I started in September in this role and over the lockdown, a lot of cases were delayed. So there's been definitely a backlog of, of very quite, you know, quite serious cases. Um, the, the Logan Mwangi case, I don't know if you're familiar, being one of them. So I have a lot of court. After the lockdown and during the lockdown, there's been an increased interest in politics in Wales, which for national newspapers is not something uh, that's quite common. So um, I've tried to keep that going and keep the interest. And so I, I generally try and report when I can on the Senate, any sort of press releases coming out, but also watching plenary and then just everything in between. So, you know, it's a big patch. But for instance, today I was in Chepstow because a uh, Ukrainian family were having uh, the keys to their new home handed to them at a, at a ceremony in a primary school there. You know, so it can be anything in between court, politics, human interest stories on a daily basis. Anything that's the biggest news story in Wales, that's why I have to focus my attention on because I am only one person. And I would say that, unfortunately, only one person covering Wales for, for the news agency. So from your experience, what kind of knowledge do your colleagues have of Wales and what's happening here? And perhaps as a sort of secondary question to that, how would you find non-Welsh media sources understanding of the Welsh political scene and news culture generally is? Generally speaking, apart from obviously the regional journalists, most of the national journalists that cover Wales cover the Southwest and Wales. And generally the reporters live in the Southwest and they're not Wales based. I think they do as, you know, as good a job as they possibly can in covering such a large patch, but there are a lot of big things that go on in the Southwest as well. And kind of alluding to your second question there, there is definitely a bias in the national media towards news that happens, I'd say firstly around London, 
um, and then elsewhere in England and you know Wales is often overlooked so sometimes stories in Wales they don't take precedent over the stories going on in the southwest for those reporters and that isn't necessarily their choice but it is the way the news industry is currently definitely I think one one of the things I'm interested in is do you think that's changed or is changing so do you think that perhaps the way that Wales has handled Covid is you know distinctly from the way it's been handled in England has has given any impetus to news agencies based outside of Wales to cover Wales more thoroughly? I'd like to think so. Um, in terms of politics, I mean, I'd say that Mark Drakeford, for instance, uh, given the character he is and has been portrayed in the media to be, that's definitely put more of a spotlight on Welsh politics. But I definitely say the appetite still isn't as much for Welsh politics or Welsh news as, for instance, Scottish news in comparison. You know, the knowledge that that national, you know, reporters have that work of the patch, you know, is is quite good, you know, but often often they do rely on my copy, my stories, you know, for, for certain things because they're elsewhere doing stuff. So I definitely, I definitely think there is perhaps a change, but there is a level of, you know, and I hope this isn't too strong a word, but in certain national newsrooms, there is a level of kind of xenophobia still towards Wales and Welsh people and, you know, it just, that that's just the way it is. I'm hoping that's changing. And I, I really take it as part of my job, which is quite a thing, a hard thing to take on, but I really want to push news out of Wales and, and get them to pick it up. You asked earlier, sorry, I didn't really answer it, where the stories get picked up. I mean, all over, really, you know, if it's a good story, you know, you're talking, the, the Mail Online, the Daily Mail, you're talking the Telegraph, the Times, the Guardian, as well as a lot of the, the Welsh newspapers and, and Wales Online. So, you know, if there's a good story, then it will get picked up. Often, though, I think the stories have to be almost a higher calibre in Wales, you know, coming from Wales than they do elsewhere to get that kind of attention from the national newspapers. So on the, you know, you mentioned Scotland there, and I think that's always been a bit of a fascination for me of, of why the coverage of Scottish news and politics is so much more in depth, or at least regular, than the Welsh equivalent. Is Scotland just a more interesting, exciting place than Wales, or is there just a, a, a weird sort of biases within London news agencies? Yeah, that's a tough question. I think, I mean, obviously there's the independence question, which slightly rumbles in Wales but hasn't really kicked out with a force you know for for people you know all over the UK to really take it seriously whereas you know there's been a referendum already in Scotland so the 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 chances of that so I think there's there's definitely the sense that Scotland is is other is you know and deserves that kind of coverage whereas Wales is often you know kind of lumped in with England as much as you know people in Wales would rail against that I think that has slightly changed but there is and I, I'm not even sure exactly why but there is that disparity between how Scottish politics is, is covered and, and Welsh politics it's distance Matt it's distance they've they've got that 
massive mileage between them and London and Fleet Street in the past. <laughs> uh, Bronwyn, I'm gonna I'm gonna drag you into the the topic the boys are, are very tired with, but the big recent story is the local elections, and you were on the ground reporting um, on the council in Swansea, I think. Mm-hmm. With a few weeks since we've had that uh, the results now. Have you got anything you can reflect on them? I mean, I was in Swansea, so I was really focused there. And then I was being pulled on to reporting about it nationally as well. And the general picture was was quite clear in Wales, I think. It was the gains that the Tories had made several years ago were being clawed back. And I don't think, you know, when you when we're several weeks from that now, and I think when you look back, that's exactly what happened. Obviously, it's it's difficult to say it could be a precursor to, to national elections, but those who did turn up to vote um, in the local elections definitely made their feelings clear. The feeling and opinion towards um, the Conservative Party and the, the ruling power in, in Westminster has certainly, has certainly changed. I, I actually spoke with uh, David Davis today, the MP for Monmouthshire, and as we know, that was the, the Conservative government that the Conservative Council, they, they lost that council. It was the only one they held. And, um, you know, I said to him, you know, what, how do you feel um, about it? And he said, obviously disappointed. And I said, you know, do you feel worried about, you know, national elections and whether that translates into the national elections? And he, you know, he said that he would never take an election for granted. But he admitted that there was, you know, people had shown their disappointment and their frustration in the UK government and, and basically that he would fight for the next election like he's fought for every election. But I, I imagine it, it does make him take pause. You know, I mean, that that loss wasn't just, a, you know, because it's no over, overall control in Monmouthshire now. You know, it's not as if the Labour won it. However, they did get more seats. Then, you know, so that was a quite a significant loss. I mean, there was there was a huge loss in seats in that that council. Um, so I'm sure, you know, he's taken pause. And, you know, he he did sort of give me the line that all the MPs were using, which is, you know, the UK government is is listening carefully now to the thoughts and frustrations of people around the country. But I mean, f- since then. You know, the frustration seemed like it had hit, you know, a heightened peak, you know, during the local elections. But that has actually seemed to have grown, particularly with the conversation, the, the sort of growing conversation around the cost of, of living crisis. So I actually I actually think that the local elections were in, in Wales were, were possibly definitely actually a precursor to, to, to the to national elections. It was a very interesting uh, day for definitely. I think Monmouthshire was um, something which has just come out recently, and that is interesting. And uh, I was actually speaking to a newly elected cabinet member from Monmouthshire from the Labour ranks, and mm. there was an indication that they they may look at uh, STV voting change in the next five years, which uh, was interesting and one I think we might look on in the pod. But you mentioned Mark Drakeford uh, a little bit earlier. And you mentioned national issues. What extent do you think, you know, Mark's position in Wales and reputation from COVID really came to the fore in the local elections? 
I mean, obviously, Labour did very well in the Senate elections, didn't they? So perhaps there, there is a, a link there. When I talk to people about Mark Drakeford, they very much sit in two camps. And that's love him. And that's also, you know, dislike him. So, you know, I don't think it's necessarily something, you know, I don't think you could say that he is a leader that is is loved across, across the country. But then when can you say that about a, a leader? But his popularity, his his stance, I think, you know, he really put Wales, he kind of put Wales on the map during COVID and really kind of staked out what he wanted to do, what the Welsh government wanted to do and how they wanted to do it differently from the UK government. And whether you agreed or disagreed with what he did, I think that shows some strength and and I think people are willing to get behind that, no matter how you how you vote. So I I do think it will have had an impact. Like ultimately during the local elections, you know, I got pamphlets through the door, I'm sure you did, from from conservatives, local conservatives saying, you know, don't blame us for for what's going on in Westminster. But ultimately people are gonna draw, you know, from that because they are connected, that, that you're part of the same party. And similarly with, with Mark Drakeford and the Labour Party, you can't separate them. So I do think, I think he's he's probably a very good leader for, for Labour because he's really put Labour in the forefront of Welsh politics and really on the map in, uh, in politics in the UK generally. And I think people in Wales want Wales to be on the map. They want Wales to be counted when decisions are being made across the UK and you know he does that I sound like a campaign manager for for Mark Drakeford don't I no, no, that, that, I think I think that was all uh fair comment but I'm not sure whether you reported it but I, I think we can all agree on this pod that the the biggest story of the night was the the green breakthrough across Wales apart from in Cate's uh Bronwyn um but <laughs> In reality, it was, as you just said, it is. It was a good night for Welsh Labour. They reclaimed a lot of ground and there's a few areas where there's a few hiccups, but Monmouth is a great story, for example. But I don't think it was such a good night in England for Labour, although they gained ground, it wasn't really brilliant. Do, do you think there's a real sense of a clear red water now emerging between UK Labour and Welsh Labour? Um, well, I think I think there's a lot to be said for sort of when when Keir Starmer comes over and meets with Mark Drakeford, he's always going on about how popular Mark Drakeford is, and you know how that's great to see. And I think Keir Starmer and the party in um, England definitely have a lot more of an uphill struggle than perhaps Wales, uh, Labour in Wales. I mean. Wales is a very heavily Labour um, country. You know, it always has been. Okay, they made some losses a few years ago, but those losses were perhaps easier to to gain back. I I don't. You know, that's that is a completely different picture in England. I'm not sure. You know, I'm not. I'm not uh, sort of an expert really on on Labour in you know in England. But I think you know it's it's an uphill struggle i think there's lots of reasons why they're they're gonna they're gonna struggle to gain back in even in the the national elections and not least because of the the media landscape should i say 
the big story, one of the big stories for me at the local election, I, I won't labour it, was, was the poor turnout. And, you know, your report into an audience that really, I suppose, there's an awful lot of apathy there. You know, what do you make of that apathy towards the local elections or, you know, what stories do you think work well in Wales? Yeah, I mean, it's the apathy is is definitely disappointing. I mean, there's a there's apathy across the UK, but um, I do sort of bang my head against a brick wall sometimes about the apathy in 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 Wales because this is where I'm from, and you know I wish people took more of an interest in you know their own their own area and uh, how much their vote can actually affect things. I I don't. I don't think necessarily that we don't exactly have, I'm not going to blame it all on the media, but we don't necessarily have a very healthy, well-rounded, but also this is not, you know, I'm not wording this very well, but we don't have a lot of media in comparison to England and in comparison to Scotland and even to Northern Ireland and Ireland, we don't have a very healthy media landscape. There is a lack of journalists here and a lack of journalism covering the length and breadth of Wales. You know, there's only so many journalists, they can only do so much. And I think that has an impact as well, and a bigger impact than, than, than people know. And if, if they're not being galvanised, they're not the issues that are underlying, underlying things aren't being investigated by journalists, they're not being reported, People aren't going to feel the need to start getting politically active. The other thing, of course, is that people aren't engaging in media in the same way either. And so there's an apathy towards the reporting that even is there. It is it is frustrating because in in Wales, I think there is there is an opportunity for people with their vote to make a difference, to get the kind of people and parties that they want into power. But apathy is a problem across the UK. So I was going to go back to the Conservatives for a second. So obviously we're, we're on today. Uh, they, they've had their, their Welsh conference in Newtown. You've seen Andrew R.T. Davis try to create this distinct Welsh identity, as was alluded to earlier. They had obviously a very bad night in those elections. But do you think that there is a, a need for parties in Wales to create distinct identities for themselves to be received by the the Welsh electorate do you think they need to appear more Welsh possibly I mean that's going to play differently with different parts of the electorate isn't it you know um a lot of people um perhaps um and I'm probably generalizing here but there might be a lot of people who vote conservative who who like the the British identity and so connecting more with with Westminster and the UK government is is what they like um obviously there's another part of the electorate who would like the 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 Tories to be the Welsh Tories you know and and to to voice Welsh problems I mean I think it's good whenever politicians generally and I mean individually voice their own opinion as well as their parties you know there's a lot of towing the party line which I don't think it's healthy. You can have different opinions, even if you have a generally, you know, a political view like conservatism. And I don't think enough of that goes on anymore. So if, you know, if Andrew R.T. Davis wants to differentiate himself and his his Welsh Conservative Party away from uh, the UK government, then 
yeah if he legitimately thinks differently from them then I think that's good I think if it's if it's an attempt just to uh win back support because it's you know there's, there's been such bad headlines in regards to Boris Johnson and, and his cabinet and the, and the government then I think that's a bit cynical but you know Wales is a different country and we do have different issues we have similar issues to other parts of the UK but we have different issues and any party looking to represent Wales should stand up for that country um so I, th- I, th- I think that's fair enough one of the one of the you know obviously I'm sure you've seen the reports of reform that might be happening to the Senate in time for the next mm. election. One of the criticisms of that proposed system is it actually makes it much harder for politicians to have their own sort of indiv- individual view because it's the system is so beholden to the power of the individual parties. Have you been have you had much chance to sort of assess the 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 proposed electoral system? And and secondary to that, I suppose is. Do you think that even though to us in Wales, that's quite a monumentous event, do you think that that will even hit the radar of news sort of, you know, news, news agencies in, in, in London or Edinburgh? Um, so in answer to your first question, no, I haven't had a chance to properly sit down and assess it, um, only, only very briefly. Yes, I, I mean, I, I don't know a whole lot about it. I'm currently setting up some, some interviews to really kind of go into that um, with the different parties. But we've put out a, you know, a brief story on it the other day when the Welsh government put out a press release about it. I mean, it was it was spoken of when um, they announced the cooperation deal with Plaid Cymru anyway. So it was reported in that sense, you know, a kind of line saying this is kind of what they're proposing. And then we've put out a story. But in answer to your second question, no, I don't think that will uh, make much of a splash elsewhere unless unless there's more of a sort of interesting detail to it which is I know it's it is interesting but maybe it'll make more of an impact when and if it happens because that you know when sometimes when you're speaking about these kind of almost bureaucratic changes you know people people you know people elsewhere they don't they don't take note but if it comes in, then then nationals actually might take because there might be a bit of a reaction. I mean, there will be reaction from you know the Wales Secretary, from perhaps from um, other departments in in Westminster as well. You know, so sometimes it's a bit reliant on the the powers that be in Westminster reacting to it for it to become a bit more of a, a big deal in in the national sense. But we'll still report it, obviously. I was going to say, you know, we, I think, you know, P, PA Press Association, they used to have more reporters here. Um, they had, I think it was two or three or maybe even more um, at one time. You know, they do only now have one, but you're right in pointing out, you know, we're one of the only national news agencies and, and national newspapers that have a reporter solely based in Wales, covering Wales. I just want to go back to a question you asked me earlier, just because I remembered you you said, is that changing? And I said, no, but there, there is, um, you know, obviously the BBC have local reporters in Wales. They've, they've always had that. And uh, ITV also have had reporters locally and they had national reporters covering again, like I said, Wales and um, the Southwest, a reporter. That has actually changed. ITV have now hired a 
um, separate correspondent just to cover Wales for uh, ITN, so the national ITV. And that's a bit of a change because they, they're almost going more local. That's that's a decision um, in that organization that they, they, they feel like local news needs more coverage. And I think that's a good way to go because national news is really important, but unless you know what's going on in your area, then you you know you just don't understand why those national issues matter to you. So I mean, you know, so I'm bigging up ITV there, but there is a slight change there, which I think is positive. We're obviously um, a political focused and civic life uh, pod, Bronwyn. Does the stability of the political situation in Wales make it harder find, to find the stories that you know would be of interest elsewhere? The stability of politics in Wales, as in, you know, it being kind of thoroughly Labour, do you mean? As in, we've had about three interesting political stories since 1999. <laughs> yeah, it is tough going. And I have never, so I've I've specialised in, in a bunch of things, um, investigations and, and crime more specifically and, and court. So politics... Is, is quite a new hat for me to, to kind of try and focus on. So it's something that I really want to really get more involved in. I've, I've actually got an office in the Senate um, along with the BBC and ITV and Wales Online. Um, but when I first started, um, there wasn't much point in going there because you know, the, uh, the Senate members, they weren't, they weren't back yet, lots of people, and lots of people still are doing things via zoom which is great if that's how they're comfortable with but i know they're, they're coming back now in in droves i think and sometimes that's where you find the stories you know in in the hallways when you bump into someone and you have a quick chat with them and and you know that is what goes on in 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 the halls of westminster you know my my colleagues in in the press association lobby team you know they're there every day and they're talking to people on the ground every single day and so they do know the goings on I think unless we're there and I, I put a responsibility on, on myself in doing this as well unless we're there and we're talking to people outside of plenary outside of the meetings and outside of the press releases that we get we are not going to find the good stories we're not going to get behind the headlines that the Welsh government want you to see I'm not saying that it has to be particularly salacious but there needs to be more of that. And I put, I put that, uh, you know, I put that responsibility on myself as well. And there definitely needs to be more interesting political stories coming from Wales. <laughs> I'll try to bring you some of that, Kerry. I'm, I'm sure some of us can feed in a few tidbits to you as well. Oh, please. <laughs> I'm, I, I'd always love a tip. It's interesting you talk about, you know, salacious news and gossip. You know, so much of what we hear about Westminster politics is gossip. Right, but that doesn't really happen in, in Cardiff Bay. Do you think that's just because Cardiff Bay is less full of gossip, or do you think that's because there's less appetite for that kind of news? Absolutely not. I do not think it's less full of gossip. I think it's probably a hotbed of gossip. I think it's just sometimes a bit untapped. You know, like I said, you know, I I started in September, so just after the lockdown, wasn't very many people when I went in. But I was I was told by, you know, someone who showed me around, you know, this place is buzzing, you know, um, on a daily basis when, you know, when when it's back to normal and it is getting back to that, 
that kind of thing now and and which is why I'd like to sort of base myself down there a day a couple of days a, a week if, if possible um there are a few journalists who I know spend quite a bit of time down there and you can always tell because their stories generally have a few quotes and things that you think they've actually spoken to the person you know they've they've like flagged them down or or asked them to come to the office or gone to their office and that's you know I think that's better better reporting you know I I think that's what it it's an untapped gold mine. I think uh, there needs to be more of that. I'm not necessarily saying the really salacious stuff that comes out of Westminster, you know, the really important stories as well. You know, you need to be on the ground talking to someone face to face like a human being to get them to open up to you about what they really think about things, because an email or a press release isn't going to do it. And, you know, press officers obviously nothing against them but you know they they have a particular line that they're they're told that they need to that to need they need to tell and it's usually quite sanitized um so i think it's quite untapped actually the senate i'm sure that um the, the people and yourself you know, you know what uh, the stories are that are going to be read and you mentioned courts and crime and things like that and uh, is that one of the big drivers for the stories you get because you know there have been some pretty horrendous uh, court cases of late in Wales and I'm not saying that's why you're reporting them but is that what you know gets the the stories? Often that's what gets what gets picked up crime no matter where it happens does very well for newspapers and you know, with the invention of things like Chartbeat, where you can, where local newsrooms, national newsrooms can see how much stories are being read, that borns out in in the statistics, you know, a crime story, you know, a, of a horrific murder or something like that is going to do much, much better than a fairly dry politics story. Um, and so that drives what your editors want, want you to do. And that's maybe sometimes a bit of a self-fulfilling prophecy, uh, you know, because the more crime you do, the more that that's wanted because it does really well. And then you have less time to do the other stuff, which is often really important, um, but it just doesn't, it doesn't make as well, or it doesn't get you the hits. Court's also really important to, to cover. And, you know, there isn't, uh, you know, there isn't anywhere near as many journalists as there used to be. When I was training, you know, my editors would say, oh, I remember when there was a journalist in every magistrate's courtroom, every crown courtroom, um, which meant that um, often not only were crimes picked up, the the kind of amusing crimes or the, the really bad ones and then, you know, and the public were kept abreast of all that, but also wider issues in society were more easily noticed. And so you could you know, journalists could sort of have an understanding of what was maybe happening in a local area and, and you know, if there was an uptick of certain crime. Um, that isn't there as much now. So, you know, local newspapers and the nationals, they try and cover as much court as you can because the whole point of that, other than, you know, it doing really well in your newspaper and, and your um, on your website is that, you know, the public are generally at work when all this is going on. So journalists are their eyes and ears in a courtroom. And it's often really important. It's important for the public to see justice being done. And it's, it's important, 
you know, just just to understand the kind of things that are going on and perhaps injustices, perhaps, you know, you know, awful things happening. You know, it's where we often find out about failings by public bodies. So it is it is very important to cover. Um, it just can take up a lot of time. So, you know, I cover I follow court cases. And I dip dip into them then when you know when it's coming to to a head, and you know there's there's you know I'm I'm looking at my diary now and there's almost something every single day in Wales that warrants being reported, and I mean nationally as well. So um, and whether that's inquests or crown court cases, so I do have to though balance it with my editor doesn't actually want me in court every day, and you know he wants the politics stories and he wants the human interest stories. Um, but yeah, generally that that does take up a lot of my day um, and it does take up a lot of resources for newsrooms, you know, around the country. Just you mentioned something there, which uh, in my amateur journalism uh, position, can you just tell me what Chartbeat is, how that works? <laughs> um, so Chartbeat, I'm sure, I'm sure there are other versions, uh, other companies that do this as well. I don't know their names if there are, if there are, but Chartbeat is a program in which you can tell how many people are on each story at any given moment in the day. So in newsrooms, and I mean that in every single newsroom, you'll have a, a large TV screen that has a list of the stories that are on your website and it'll give you uh, how many people are on them, how much, how long they're engaging with the story for, um, and, and if people are also clicking from that story to another story in your website as well. So it's brilliant in some ways, but it has entirely changed newsrooms because your you know, companies that run the news in, in the UK and have lots of newsrooms like Reach PLC or um, NewsQuest, that's what drives money for them is, is viewership. So, so it becomes about what stories get the biggest clicks, the biggest views. And oftentimes those aren't uh, what you would probably consider as like the important stories. Often they're things like weather stories, or traffic news stories, they get huge, huge viewership. And so it's more of that, please. And, you know, less of the other. And it's something that I think local journalists and, and elsewhere rail, rail against a little bit. Going back to that point, Brian, I, mean, I think all of us in Wales are very used to articles about where the best Greggs in Cardiff or the best spoons in Cardiff is. So yeah, we know that that feeling well. Um, I, I wanted to move on a little bit to discussing another sort of audio news outlet so you've been on times times radio's disunited kingdom before yes. um, what would you say the challenges are for reporters sort of working outside london trying to communicate things to london-based editors well generally speaking for, for, for myself i mean obviously um pa have you know my my man my ed my uh line manager i guess you'd call so my editor he is based in London and, you know, but we, we chat every day and they're interested in what com comes from Wales because they have a reporter in Wales. Generally speaking, news from Wales doesn't take precedent most of the, the time. There are, um, there are examples where that's not the case, but, you know, if it's happening in and, out, in and around London or the wider Southeast region, or even the rest of, the rest of the UK, um, the rest of England, sorry, 
then uh, that takes precedent, I think, for a lot of national newsrooms. They are quite um, still quite Anglo-centric. I don't know necessarily exactly what the reason for, for that is. I mean, naturally, obviously, proximity helps. You know, um, people who who generally work in national newsrooms that are based in London, live in London or live around London. And so news in that region is going to matter more to them. But it, it is an ongoing struggle. You know, my, half of my job is thinking, how can I sell this to a national editor that sat there deciding what's going to go in his paper the next day? And that is an ongoing battle. I mean, I don't know what other reporters would say about it. I'm in a bit of a different situation because my news agency, you know, I need to, if I'm writing a story, it needs to be of national appeal. You know, it's, it should be of regional appeal as well, if it's national of national appeal. But, you know, that's generally what they want from me is, is stuff that the nationals are going to go, oh yeah, that's a great story coming from Wales. And, and, and that's why I do like the fact that Times Radio does have pieces where they call in journalists from around the, the UK. I mean, that's something that I think should be done more um i think it would be worth as well you know radio stations broadcasters in in wales for instance and in scotland having people speak from the rest of the uk as well because it's important that we know what's going on in in other parts you know not just either wales or london you know as it often is but yeah i mean that's why that's why i like that that show really and lbc can be quite good in getting lots of different contributors as well from around the uk so thinking about these these pitches you're going to have to make of national importance from when what are the sort of big stories that you're that are on your radar looking forward through the rest of 2022 the rest of 2022 the first thing that came to mind but that's because i'm very excited about it i don't want to jinx it but if I, any of you are wales football fans I'm getting nods through through Zoom that. <laughs> uh, I've, I've been told that if Wales get through, touch wood, I'm going to Qatar. So um, that would be excellent because, you know, I'm going to Qatar. The second is I think uh, Wales football fans are, are a delight. <laughs> and, and that's what I'll be doing. I won't be doing the sports reporting. I would not know what I was talking about, but I'd be more outside the stadium talking to fans and seeing how it's generally going as I... I think there may be some teething problems with uh, the, the World Cup this year. Um, so things like that. But, um, you know, going back to what we were saying about court, you know, uh, always on my radar, like big, you know, big, big hearings and the Logan Mwangi sentencing is, is still to happen. And I believe the sentencing of two people, a man and woman over, you know, the, the, the poor uh, boy Jackless who was mauled to death in Carfilly. So there's things like that that are, um, you know, they're big in Wales, but they're also big elsewhere. You know, uh, they're they're really important, and, and people around the UK have have really kind of shown an interest in those things. Um, politically, well, you know, I'm waiting for those tips to come in. <laughs> I mean, on the football aspect of it, yes, very excited for the game in a couple of weeks' time. Yes. Uh, so I'm very jet well. Very jealous of that prospect of seeing Wales in a World Cup. Um, <laughs> I just, you know, I, I think that in sort of sort of question we usually ask journalists when we finish off these interviews is how would you consider the state of journalism in Wales? And do you think it is heading in a positive direction? Or do you still think there's quite some way to go? 
do you ask every journalist this or is it just me? <laughs> we, no, we ask basically every journalist this in some sort of hope that eventually people will say it's going really well. <laughs> Try and answer this in a considered way. I don't think it's necessarily going in completely positive direction. And I, I temper that with the amount of journalists, yeah, the amount of journalists and the amount of news outlets have dwindled significantly in Wales and around the UK. And, you know, obviously as a journalist, I would say this, but I think that's very disappointing. And I think it has dire consequences for, for people. I mean, I would say though, that there are, you know, there are, um, there are sort of smaller outlets opening around Wales that I think is a really positive sign. Um, I can't name them all, but you know, you have, you, you know, you have offshoots like, like the national and things like that. And I think that's exciting. And I think, you know, uh, broadcasters as well, like ITV recognizing that you need more of a, you need more of a focus on Wales. Um, it needs its own correspondent. I think that's positive. I'm trying to be positive for you here, Matt. Uh, but generally the, the landscape, it doesn't look great. You know, um, media companies have been struggling with the, uh, you know, with, with the question of how you make money from journalism for decades now. And changes that perhaps should have been made earlier were not made and, and, and sort of now, every, now news is free and people have grown up. Uh, including myself, not paying for news. And so it's really hard to roll back on that and, and start asking people for money because people are like, well, I'm, I'm not paying the subscription. Uh, and a newspaper, I'm not paying for a newspaper, I'm not paying for a hard co copy of something. So, And newspapers are still what make companies money, believe it or not, even though sales have completely fallen off a cliff. That is still what makes them money, but just less and less every year I don't know if there's any that back the trend of that but you know that's a problem because you because companies feel like they have less money um they still need to make money for their shareholders and, and things like that so they have less money to put into resources and that means journalists and it ultimately means like the type of content that you get isn't as good because they're chasing their tails as well you know they're, they're trying to to get the hits that, you know, companies constantly want more hits. You need to get more page views every year than you had the last year, but with less resources. So you make, you do the math, you know, there's, there's only one way that you can do that. And that's not being going out as much. And that's being at your desk, kind of turning around fast hit kind of popular news stories uh, that people will click on because they want to know something specific about the weather quickly and then they'll click off and I've got lots of friends who who work in in lots of different regional papers around Wales and um, for some it's a, a massive source of frustration for others you know that's just that they're doing their job and that is what the company requires of them so I think there's a there's a problem with the whole system and it comes back down to money as it always does but I would like to say that there's a positive outlook with, you know, and I, I'd hope there's, there's more sort of newsletters, more kind of hyper locals coming, you know, that's certainly very popular. Like when I was living in London, that's very popular there. I think it would be really great if there were more sort of grants and funding for independent papers to spring up 
Um, I think that would be really healthy for the media landscape in Wales. I mean, if, if there's any sort of millionaires listening out there who live in Wales that want to kind of open up a pot. I mean, there are some pots, but they're they're quite few and far between and they're quite difficult to access. You know, I think there's a lot of journalists out there who'd be who'd sort of jump at the opportunity to create an independent paper in a part of Wales where there's there's no newspaper really covering it. You know, Wales is, if you look at a map of where uh, where there are newspapers, where there are online websites, uh, uh, quite a bit uh, of a, a news desert. So there's opportunity to improve. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good way to end it. That's fine. And if there's any millionaires listening, they can please back the Hero uh, Patreon, uh, <laughs> as well as all other good news outlets in Wales. Bronwyn, thank you so much for coming to talk to us. It's been an absolute pleasure to, to speak with you this evening. If people want to hear more from you, where can they find you on Twitter? Um, they can find me at Bron Weatherby. My email is on, on that Twitter. So if anyone wants to uh, send me a story idea, a tip, or generally chat about something they've got going on in Wales uh, that they think is of national interest, um, then please do. I'm always happy to chat. Great. Thanks again, Bronwyn. Uh, Thank you so much. Uh, and if you've enjoyed what you've heard this evening, please don't forget to find us on Facebook and Twitter at Pod and on our brand new website, www.walespolitics.com. Thank you for listening to Hereith. If you like what you heard, please don't forget to subscribe, rate and review.